0: Welcome to Business Done Differently, the podcast about challenging the status quo, creating fans first, and changing the game in business. I'm your host, Jesse Cole, and it's showtime. Today's guest is Mark Canless. Mark and his brother are third-generation owners of Canless Restaurant. Food & Wine magazine called Canless one of the 40 most important restaurants in the past 40 years. They've received 22 consecutive Wine Spectator Grand Awards. They've been nominated for 15 James Beard Awards and have won three of them. Esquire even listed Canalis as one of the top 100 restaurants America can't afford to lose. On this episode, we dive into the importance of relationships and how to reimagine the customer experience to keep building those relationships. Being in the restaurant industry is challenging as is, but over the last year and a half battling COVID, Mark and his team launched 11 different businesses to keep going. Because of this drive to take care of their people and keep building relationships, they kept playing the game. Mark is truly one of a kind, and this is a fun and inspiring conversation of one business doing things dramatically different. Hope you enjoy. Mark, I've been looking forward to this talk since the first time I heard your story. So welcome to the show, my friend.
1: Thanks, Jesse. Thanks for having me on.
0: I'm fascinated. Obviously, I've seen the fact that you guys have come up with 927 businesses over the last 200 days, but I want to go back to Canless, the experience. I've never been to Seattle, never gone to a Canless restaurant. Paint the picture for me what it looks like.
1: Not me. yet, at least. We're going to get you out here. You know, yeah. At some point, we'll be allowed to fly or we'll be allowed to travel or do whatever we're supposed to do, like go back to normal.
0: We'll get yes. Yeah. Pre-pandemic, what
1: did Canless look like? All right. So it looked like a restaurant, and I know that for a lot of us we haven't been in one of those in a long time. It's seventy years old. Our grandfather started it. I run it with my brother now, so it's been three generations in our family of of just running a fine dining restaurant, and you know the kind where like you roll off the road and you kind of drive under this covered entrance, and the valets like open your doors for you and whisk your car away, and the door opens, and there's a warm fire greeting you and people without masks who like know your name and and take you in. And it's, you know, it's sort of a, yeah, it's that. We don't really do that anymore. But (laughs) it was fine dining and it was pretty cool.
0: But you guys were known, I mean, obviously so many awards and you guys were known for the customer experience and how you treated your guests. I mean, I know it's hard to go back there through the challenges that you've gone through over the last year, but Just paint a little bit more of a picture because, I mean, you guys were known for this experience.
1: Right. So I think what we've been working with is like a really rich legacy and history of service. And so in the very beginning, which for this restaurant was 1950, he, he wanted the world's best restaurant. And this thing was perched up on a hill. It's overlooking the mountains and the lake. It's a stunning piece of property. But I think the thing that is enduring or transcendent or in any way special is just the feeling you get dining here and that comes entirely from the people and so we've always had a pretty awesome tradition of bringing in remarkable people and allowing them to sort of work their magic and so what really happens i think in any great restaurant is that sort of that intense feeling of being seen and being known and being understood and being cared for and walking away restored and refreshed and somehow just poured into and that has nothing to do with food so much as it has to do with with relationship and with the way that people treat one another. So that's really what's going on behind the scenes of all the fancy stemware and wines and fancy dishes and all that sort of pretense of dining. I think there's this moment to connect human and that's that's what makes a restaurant special.
0: Now you worked with Danny Meyer to start did you take yes. some Yeah, this this human connection. I worked for Danny Meyer in
1: 2001 and 2000 to 2003 kind of time frame. And I had moved up there right after 9-11. I was coming out of the service and I was like, what is a restaurant? You know, it was like pretty green, pretty young. I remember going to orientation four times. Like I just kept signing up for it. I'm like, I just got to <laughs> hear this guy talk and figure out what this is this about. He's awesome. He's the best. I opened a restaurant with his team called Blue Smoke. At that time, he ran a restaurant called Love Madison Park. And so was there in New York, yeah, learning under him for a couple of years. But Learned so much, and just want to say publicly, made so many mistakes (laughs) on his (laughs) dime. Tried to get them all out of my system, but as it turns out, I failed and brought a lot of that back to Seattle. So there's years of learning to do, and and certainly the couple that I spent there were like a
0: remarkable gift to me. I'm fascinated about the parallels, though. Like, there's always like unique things. I mean, we've all been to restaurants, and obviously fine dining in your view. And but but Danny Meyer, obviously, he's known for just this extra touch points and the, the fine details. You know, I'm a big Walt Disney fan, I've, the Imagineering documentary on Disney is one of the most fascinating stories wow. of how, have you seen that yet? Not yet. It's, I've it's, been told it's awesome. It's unbelievable because the attention to detail everywhere. And it seems like Danny Meyer, obviously what you're doing at Canlis. Before we get into all the pivoting, I'm just, I'm still looking back to the roots of the values, the people, but those touch points that we can maybe take in any business that's a little different.
1: Yeah. I think what Danny did was he turned restaurants into places that were human again. (laughs) Like at some point we got kind of too fancy for our own good. And it was these places, these sort of palaces of formality. And you had to abide by the rules, almost like bend down and worship at the foot of pomp and circumstance, right? Like the ridiculousness of it all. And in the wake of that, I think the guest was forgotten. The guest was lost and was almost made subservient to the expectation of you know what it was to go out and go big and dress up and pay a lot of money and all this kind of stuff. And what Danny did was he just said, "Wait a second, you guys, it's completely upside down. is a cart before the horse. It is all about the guest. And if we're not paying attention to that, then just trim it, you know, cut it and drop it on the cutting room floor. Like it doesn't, it has no service really. And that's not to say that there's not some special things and a lot of traditions that go back, you know, years and years and years. But he just sort of like reminded the world that what it was really about was about people." And not just the guest, but his own team. And so you can't expect to have the guest taken care of if you're not actually you know caring for your folks. So, yeah, I think that was his charm and his magic and his sort of gift to New York City at the time. And, and really, you know, nowadays,
0: well, well beyond. It. Yeah, it's so macro, and I think that way. But, it, you know, I heard you and your brother talk about saying, think about this. Tonight needs to matter. Their time matters and maybe their first date, their last meal, the night before their baby is born. They come to make tonight matters. And and I saw the parallel, you know, our, our president every day tells our team, every game is someone's first game. Every game is someone's first time seeing the bananas. How are we going to make them feel? And I'm just fascinated on how that either is taught for you guys or if you have maybe a story that's told through the, as you onboard people that one of your team members, one of your staff did for someone that shared about this night matters.
1: You're right. I think when we talk about what matters most in this business, in particular, but really we think all business, it's this idea that someone is trusting you. It's this really tender, vulnerable moment, and then the question is, what do you do with that? Right. So if someone's coming to your game, bringing their kiddos out, that's a big deal. Like maybe it's their first game, maybe they've never done this before, maybe they're a little scared, maybe it's a little loud, or maybe like, and so they're trusting you, right, with whatever it costs to go and with the time. You know, they didn't do something else in the afternoon, so. I think for us, we see that in a really high stakes way, maybe more so than, you know, than going to the ballpark on a Saturday afternoon. I think of a story where a few years back, we had somebody call and ask for a reservation for, for seven people on a Saturday night. Like, oh, you know, shoot, sorry, we don't have it. Like we book out a long ways in advance. It's not really, you know, really. I was like, gosh, you know, no, really, like we're not, we're not joking around. And then the woman on the phone, she goes, well, here's the story, me and my Five sisters are all in town and we want to take my mom out. She is dying of cancer. And it's like, wow, that's a big deal. And Seattle's got a remarkable hospital for all this. And so we get a lot of -of out-of-town people to come in and and fight cancer. And so you start to realize that what's happening in this moment has very little to do with food and wine. It has everything to do with the fact that this dinner may not happen ever again this is a moment that, that these women are hallmarking in time and capturing. And suddenly what they're offering to you is, Hey, could you take care of us in this moment? Right? Like all my sisters are together. My mom is here. We don't know if she's going to make it through this thing and we need to spend time together. We need it. We literally are knocking on, we're looking for a place for this to happen. And, More than just a place that I think they're looking for people who will see them in in that need and serve them in that need. And that's what a restaurant does. Ultimately, it has everything to do with seeing a person for who they are and for where they're at and for where they're coming from and responding to it, changing. We literally change the restaurant to the guests. To sort of stay like this is what they need. Is there any way we can create that thing? Right. And that doesn't mean we're just making food up on the fly. Yeah. But it's certainly deeper than just a philosophical altruism or hope. It is literally a game that we play, which is I wonder if we could bend the will of Canless Restaurant to this particular person's circumstance tonight. What would that look like? And isn't it true, really, that we would be the better for it? Like it fills you up. Right. So, you've probably experienced that anyone has who's ever like poured their heart and soul into a, a gift that they're so proud of because they know it's going to just land beautifully and yeah, it just fills you up. It makes all of the work worthwhile and it takes away, I think in so many ways, the effort of what it took to produce that gift and leaves you with the beauty and the relationship that really has been established from it. So anyway, so that's what's going on here. But <laughs> we found a reservation. We literally like took a private room, cleared the whole thing out, set up a table just for just for this one party and said, hey, we got you. We got you on this. Like We can do this. And in that moment, it's not that the food and wine don't matter. It's not that the service doesn't matter. All those little fine details are important. But the spotlight is not on, on food and wine or service review or any of those things. The spotlight has, stays on them. It's on the mom. It's on this time together.
0: And you know, that find a way is such a good, actually, it's a great segue. But, you know, I think about that. I've heard of, of restaurants setting up, you know, even seats in back in the kitchen to take care of people. And it, we even set up this past year, we found a little area. We set it up a little station to actually have uh, players go on dates with fans. And so like little, uh-huh. so we have a catered meal come on and a player would go, usually a grandma and they would sit and talk and interact. And, uh-huh. one, and one of the players actually got so close with the grandma that they talk regularly throughout the year. They became friends.
1: To be like, that's so crazy, but isn't it really so crazy? Like, no, if you just took the time to, I don't know, to have a a space where relationship can form, it's amazing what will happen, right? I think you're right. I think finding a way is the core of hospitality. Like it literally is. I don't think of hospitality as a business, by the way. I think of it as sort of like the underpinnings of the way we can and probably should operate societally. Like it's the way we interact between one another. And in that sense, all of business is about these interactions. All of business is about these relationships. It becomes our, our ability to be in a relationship with one another. So it doesn't surprise me.
0: I bet there. <laughs> right. Well, the key is, Mark, it has to be taught. And I think, you know, I learned uh, from a guy who runs a Magic Castle Hotel, Darren Ross, you know, it's one of the top rated hotels. It's an old apartment building. They were in the power of moments, and it's hilarious. I spent time with him. He goes, We just teach our team listen carefully, respond creatively. And so we ask lots of questions, and then we figure out how can we respond to create a moment. So we're always opening our ears to say, "All right, why are they coming to this? What's this moment like? Why does this game matter to them? How can we make it more special?" And I think it sounds like that's kind of the root of what your team has been building over the years.
1: Yeah, I think it's a desire to do something in your own life that matters, right? Because at the end of the day, you could figure out some tricks to sort of turn a buck. Like, Hey, if we take care of people in this way, you know, maybe we'll get paid for it. But that ends up being a pretty hollow sort of soul scraping thing to realize that all you've done with your life is just sort of figured out this societal trick to turn a buck. I think there's a, there's something deeper with all of us that craves that our, our work, like the work of our hands and the time that we sacrifice sort of on the altar of needing to make money, which is, which is really important, by the way, like I got bills to pay. So I'm not against it. But I think what we want is that that work and that that sacrifice matters for something more obviously than just the paychecks that we bring home. It's the motivation behind the thing, right? That, that is the magic that really is, I think what, what becomes special, what becomes yeah. effective and unique.
0: hundred percent. I think I want to pivot out a little bit into the fun culture that you've built. And, you know, again, people talk about canless and, you know, it's the, customer experience. It's the innovation. It's all the new things you're doing, which we'll get to. But as I started doing some more research, I started hearing about laser tag, donkeys, costumes, people wearing wigs. You got to tell me about this fun culture because I think it's so important. I don't think enough businesses talk about fun yet and how that actually makes people feel like they matter and they're a part of something special.
1: I don't know. I'm really fortunate to be in charge of the business. Hey, if this isn't fun, that's on me. Like Literally, that's my fault. And so like, you can't Point at anyone else and say, "Well, it's not fun because of that guy over there." And so, and I run it with my brother, and we've been playing games our entire lives, and and sort of the lens through which we look at the world, which is, hey, "All right, we're going to do this. Let's have fun with it." And so, yeah, I think we do a lot of things that would shock a lot
0: of other. You got to go there. Get, where are you going? You shocked? What are some of those things that are shocking? Well, you world? know,
1: back when we used to throw large parties, um, <laughs> people would all like get together and. We we used to throw a New Year's Eve party that has just for years now devolved into sort of the most creative and raucous and unexpected parties that probably a fine dining restaurant has thrown before. And so (laughs) that can look like, for example, we turned uh, the restaurant into a Hawaiian village once and, you know, built a koi pond out in the parking lot. And you had to walk across this thing and, you know, past a waterfall and, and down into... A section of the basement that happened to look like Chinatown, with sort of Peking duck hanging off the ceiling, and a tattoo parlor, and a, and like a hot tub. Like we've turned it into an après ski party. Like we just made it snow. You in had Africa. a
0: hot tub. You had a hot tub in your restaurant
1: multiple times, actually. Hot <laughs> tub. You know, not to mention you to know, so the après ski party. We had you know St. Bernards everywhere, and sort of as a part of the ambiance. And we had a ski lift, a chair lift in there. And I think the idea taking and twisting and turning a space like this, which is traditionally sanctioned as this sort of formal sacred space and having fun with it. Last year, we turned the entire restaurant white, just everything. Everything was white. And we asked everyone to come in white and to wear white wigs. And we brought in a zillion lights and timed them and coordinated them with music such that we could turn everything green or pink or blue. And it was a blast. And it was amazing to see what just the color of people and their hair and the environment around them did to your mood and to like the feeling. And, and that was just the staff, you know, taping white paper and white floors and everything like for days and days. (laughs) But um, before that we put, we brought in these like 10, 15, 20, 25 foot high balloons. We did an art installation and, and just turned the entire thing into like, so I feel like there's so much opportunity to have fun. And, you know, right now we're looking for an executive chef. Our chef is going to head off and open his own restaurant. We're super proud of him and excited. And, and so we're, we're interviewing these people. Yes, that's where laser Tag comes in and some other stuff is that we do a lot of creative things to sort of explore. Does this person have the ability to laugh? Like, how easily does that come? And I think in play and in laughter, you start to really see a person. You start. You're vulnerable is the honest truth. Like all of us look pretty goofy laughing. It's it's a vulnerable thing. You're letting your guard down in a way that if someone doesn't have the ability to do that, I'm kind of not interested in hiring them. <laughs> like, yeah, you don't want to hang out with them. You don't. And so why would, you know, we become like the people we hang out with. So why would I bring that person into my company? I want to become that way. So I'm trying to become someone who's more lighthearted and full of joy and not the other way around. So I think that games, playing games and having fun isn't just some branding play. I think that it's actually good strategy for building teams and for learning about one another and building the kind of intimacy that breeds trust that allows you to do whatever you want in business. Because once your team trusts one another, there's, there's really no stopping you. So we get there sometimes by way of, by way of playing games and having.
0: You know, Mark, I want to stay here. Like if anybody that's going to stay on fun for a little bit, it's a guy in a yellow tuxedo that like, if you search on Savannah Van's YouTube, we have like 400 videos of us doing every spoof and music video we could like fun is huge, but it's not talked about enough. I just, I'm sitting here thinking, I'm like, all right, you're putting this koi pond, Hawaiian, hot tubs, all this. Tell me how it works for you. And especially now, obviously the last year, it's been very tough financially for you and for us. How does it happen? How does it start? Because you get an idea and then all of a sudden your idea gets bigger. And so does the expenses. Tell me, like, how, like, you start with, like, hey, let's do this and have a budget, or just like,
1: how yeah, does it work? We do not start with a budget. <laughs>
0: yeah, I can only, I can only imagine you don't start. how so yeah, it works.
1: Uh, we're in this room that I'm sitting in right now, and we run into a problem, and we all kind of scratch our heads and start looking at it, and then someone throws out an idea, and then another one, and then another one, and then eventually there's like thirty of them, and then my brother's like, hey, also guys, there's this thing called money, and <laughs> kind of a rule to the game and we need to not break that rule like so here's the thing we think of money and profitability but we set it aside literally if we're talking about games like think of the game of soccer it's like to me money the businesses need to be profitable because we're not a nonprofit. like we kind of need to make money so we can pay the bills and like yeah. patch our roof when it leaks and so but i think of that as as like a rule to the game it's just like it's one of the rules so like in soccer that you play inside of this big rectangle right it's like okay that's a rule you know like in baseball you know you You can't run to the other base until somebody hits it. Well, that's a, that's a rule. And in business, one of the rules is you can't lose all your money. It's just like one of those rules (laughs) and you should make a little bit. So you've got some for when times get hard. And so we start with the problem and we look at it relationally we say, okay, like what's really going on here? Oh, there's a pandemic. Okay. Well, what the people need right now is food, but what they don't need is to be inside a dining room with all of us hovering around them, you know, polishing silverware and placing down all these little forks and stuff. So What if we were to feed the people in another way? And I think in that way, if you lead with the relational aspect of it, hey, I'm in a relationship with this city. I've been feeding them for 70 years. And now that there's a pandemic, I can still do that. But the rules have changed a little bit. Let's approach this creatively. Like, what could this look like? A lot of the rules that we're used to playing with and gave us a whole new set. And we are, all right, well, we can play this game.
0: This is just the same game, different rules. I love that you're calling it a game too, Mark. I think that's like treated as a game. It doesn't seem like the end of the world if it doesn't work out as well as play. I think, you know, (laughs) looking at everything as a game and it sounds like too, you always start with a question. You know, we have idea paloozas and we always say, let's talk about ideas. But then after a few years, we're like, we got to ask a specific question. We'll get the best ideas because we'll figure out how to solve it. So like one question we ask is, what would it take to make fans want to stay till the end of the game? You know, our games are sold out. We came up with all these ideas. It sounds like, all right, how do we still serve our Seattle community? The rules have changed. What are we going to do to continue to serve food? So you ask a question and that's where they start coming up.
1: and I like your assumption that just because somebody bought a ticket doesn't mean you're serving them through the entire thing. Yes. Right. So like, hey, maybe me and my five-year-old want to be there for an hour. And yeah. then maybe just baseball doesn't work for the second hour. For, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, all right, I get it. I'm a little bored. Like, And so the idea that you would actually consider saying, hey, just because we have your money, doesn't mean it's over, because there's nothing relational about that. That's entirely transactional. Like, cool, I got your money. good. Let's peace out and go separate ways. Like, what you guys are saying is actually like, hold on a second, what it matters to us, that the entire time you're in my stadium, you're really having a good time. In fact, it'd be amazing if people just, hung out after the game, like they do at church, you know, like they don't leave. They just like eat donuts and stuff. Like, think about that. Like, people just stayed at the stadium all day. Like, it's probably like illegal or something. But Well, no, it, it it's, be-
0: our, it's our post-game plaza party. So we bring out our full pep band, We have all the players outside in the plaza. We have a free s'more station and people, it gets to be like 11 o'clock, 1130, and people are still dancing and they're still, it's a party. It's amazing.
1: Like, this is a good time. We all like one another. Let's do this, you know? And-
0: <laughs> Let's keep doing it. Yeah. That's great. We're sorry, we We're on a full little tangent there, but. Yeah, I think so. You're talking about starting with questions and then that really goes into it. It's just, you've always been reimagining. I think you've brought that, you and your team just that, to reimagine, reimagined yeah. reimagine, re-imagine what things are supposed to look like.
1: That's what people maybe don't know about fine dining is like, we're doing the exact same thing we've been doing for three generations. Like this is no different and neither was the pandemic any different. If you're going to be a restaurant, like in my business, restaurants just don't last this long. It's yes. kind of not a thing, especially in this country. And so- We've been reimagining and re envisioning and rethinking about the relationship every day of our lives in this company. And so it wasn't that much of a stretch to turn the restaurant into a burger drive through. (laughs) Like that just kind of feels like rolling out a new menu. And that's all it was. Like we're going to roll out a new menu. And instead of inviting them in, we'll just keep them in their cars. And instead of serving fancy food, we'll just make like a sane burger. Like that's not that hard actually. And not when you have a team that knows how to do it. And so I feel like at some point, it's, you're asking the same question over and over. It's if this, then what? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So if I need to be the best restaurant in the world, then what steps do I need to take to get there? And if restaurants can't even be open, but you need to employ your people, then what can we do? It's It literally is just an if then. And having the courage to kind of call a spade a spade like having the courage to sort of say like, hey, I, I really think we got to close. <laughs> we, yeah. we were the first restaurants in America to close because of this thing. We're back when people were saying, that's foolish. That's crazy. Like, what are you guys doing? That's ridiculous. You, you don't need to close. Like you have all these reservations We had months of reservations. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. we sent that back thousands of dollars of cash. Like from a cash flow perspective, it was devastating yes. because, you know, you make a reservation, you, you put your deposit down and people thought it was nuts. I think at some point you have to just say, this is what, this is where I'm at. This is where my heart is at. And I think we got to do this, but that doesn't mean the game is up. It doesn't mean that you're being, to use a sports metaphor, pulled out and put on the sidelines. No, we were still playing. Yeah. We were every bit of it still on the field, still playing. We just had to suddenly change all the rules.
0: I love this. Let's dive in a little bit. And I love, uh, you know, keep playing the game. Uh, Simon Sinning talks about the infinite game and, you know, I love the book Built to Last by Jim Collins. Like, what are you doing to keep playing the game? And that's what you guys did. And I just side note here, you've used the word relationship over and over and over again. And I don't think companies use the word relationship. They they talk customers transactional. They're not talking yeah, about relationship. That is
1: seriously messed up. I would use yeah. a stronger word, but I don't know where you're gonna put this. Go <laughs> so, get me started on that. Like like it is a like it is a disturbing thing to me that a company is scared of the word relationship. And I think scared I'll just say it, like, that's where it is. Like, they don't have the guts to go there. And, and it's hard, I'll, I'll be honest. Like, we fail at this all the time, by the way. Like, it's so hard. Relationship is messy. I don't choose any of them, you know? <laughs> like, it's just not easy. You and your kid, you and your spouse, you and your boyfriend, you and your cat. It's weird, it's messy, it's hard, it takes work. And also, like, it's worth it. And yep. so when somebody says, whether it's Simon or anyone else, like, hey, you just stay in the game or keep playing the game. I think what we're saying is, gosh, if this really matters to you, work on it. Telling her, I loved you 50 years ago when you put that ring on her face, that's not enough. You know what I mean? That was was good for that day. And then like, what are you doing about it today? And I think any of us who have been in any sort of long-term relationship know, yeah, even your best friend, you know what? There's times you get in fights with that person. Like there's times when you disagree. And it's when we turn toward one another that I think all of the magic happens. It's when a company turns towards their customers, their guests, their clients, and says, okay, I see you, and I actually want to serve you. I'm not just here to make a buck. That is a very powerful move, I think, for anyone in any business. It's special. So yeah, I use relationship a lot. I could switch it up. We could, <laughs> you can cut me off if you want, but.
0: No, 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 we'll go with I, that. We'll, we'll, we'll stay, with it. I love it. I see you and I hear you. And I, I'm thinking, you know, right after this call, I get to make 20 calls. I get sent every day to make two fans that either bought tickets or merchandise. And what I have realized is, you know, people don't answer their calls anymore from other numbers. So I do a video and it's a personal video. And it thanks them. And I, and I ask them, you know, when they come to the game to please come over and say hello. And it's not like a huge, but it's a start to a relationship as opposed to sure. a fan just buying a ticket or merchandise. Yeah. Just like you, I mean, you've had thousands. I mean, we have thousands, but everyone on our staff realizes that the relationship starts right away. It's not when they're coming to the ballpark, you know, it's not when they first come into our game. It's the first time that they're interacting with us. And that's so, so important. So we could jam on that for a while, but I do need to go into what you were able to do over the 11 businesses in 11 months. You can briefly mention them all, but I really want to know. What worked and what didn't? Because I noticed you pivoted from each one. It it hasn't seemed like one's been like, we're going to keep this going. No, some (laughs) of them
1: were terrible ideas. Like, absolutely. (laughs) On March 14th, we shut our restaurant down. On March 16th, we took a day off. And on March 16th, we opened up as a drive-through burger company. And we had an hour and a half lines to get burgers and we sold out in a couple of hours. And that just kept happening. And that was just lunch. It would literally kind of shut traffic down on three roads getting here. (laughs) Oh, it's March 16th. On March 17th, we opened something called the Bagel Shed. We happen to have this shipping container in our parking lot that we use as a bakery. It's like a pizza oven in there and a flour mill and stuff. And we're like, hey, we can make bagels. That'll create jobs because bagels are really time intensive to make. Terrible business idea, by the way. And from a money standpoint, but an amazing business idea from a serving the community and a serving my staff. We were just trying to figure out how to make jobs. Like how do we keep 115 people employed when we can't be a restaurant, right? So... We were like, all right, we'll do burgers, burgers for lunch, and we'll do bagels for breakfast. We make this bagels thing. And it was popular. And the next day, the 17th, or what are we on, like 16th, 17th, 18th, we just started delivering dinner. We were like, well, hold on a second. The staff's still here. And so we're still making family meal, like staff meal. It's like, why don't we just make more family meal? And then- and what's what's
0: family meal? You. you feed the staff? Family meal,
1: like, you know, we feed you, the guest, but we feed ourselves before we feed you. We cook a couple meals a day for the staff. We lunch and dinner for the crew that works here. And we call it family meal because we all sit down as a family and eat. We can't feed you if we haven't fed ourselves. And so we we're like, well, we're making family meal. What are we just delivered family meal to people? Like, I have all these employees. What's the difference between a server taking it from the kitchen to the table? We could just take it from the kitchen to their car to your table. Like, let's just do that. So we stood up this delivery service. And it was nuts, like it completely took off, which destroyed us, like it was very hard to pull off. So suddenly we had we had like this lunch thing going on and all this craziness, like police were showing up every day like, hey, the traffic is an issue. We're like, yeah, I know, but we don't know what to do about. Then we had the bagel thing, which also shut everything down in the morning, like the lines for bagel were like an hour long. And so anyway, you know, I bring those first three up because they weren't necessarily profitable ideas.
0: How are they, because you have a thousand people, like if you have a thousand people- Right,
1: so for example, if the goal is to employ my entire team, and in the old days I used to like, so I have 150 of sort of the best restaurant people on the planet, right? And we pay them really well. We don't use like a tipping model. We just we just pay them hourly a really good salary so that they don't have to. We don't rely on tips. And so if I'm going to maintain that through a pandemic, that's really expensive. And in the old days, you know, you'd come in and dinner here is like 150 bucks. But if now I'm charging you 14 bucks and I'm still paying all my people their same wages. You just can't make it up. And we weren't efficient enough. It'd be one thing if we were a burger restaurant for a couple of years and could dial in our systems, but we don't have systems. We're literally, have like a couple of days to put this thing together. So we were just inefficient in that. If we were still doing burgers, I'm sure it'd be profitable. But like one way it wasn't was that I was like, hey, what should a burger be? And I was like, let's make it fourteen dollars. Like, and no one really knows. We haven't had time to cost it out or doing this stuff. We're grinding up dry aged steaks that we were going to serve, you know, in tasting menus, and now we're turning it into burgers. We were just guessing, and in our own system, it takes a couple of days to figure out all those numbers. So the time we got those numbers back, we're like, yeah, this is like this is not working for us. It wasn't about profitability I- again that's just a rule to the game. And we kind of chose to set that rule aside and said, well, maybe this is the year where we just allow ourselves to break that rule. Like, I don't think that's the most important thing right now. So let's just put it over here, put it on the shelf for a second. We'll keep looking at it, obviously, because you can't bleed too much money. But so that's what that looked like. And it was really tricky. It was really hard. It was exhausting. And we had to figure out a way to do it in a safe way. So, you know, you're taking your kitchen, you're cutting in half. Like, that's very inefficient. You're using your dining room as a prep space, which is very inefficient. And we're taking steps to, I don't know how many billions of gloves we went through, but those suckers were really expensive back in March and April. So like, you're trying to figure this out as you go and it's just inefficient. So yeah, we moved out of bagels and burgers for a while. We did delivery for a bit and we started doing a piano live stream, which became really fun. And we have these piano players. We thought, why are we using piano players as delivery drivers? They could actually just live stream all the music to people eating at home and we could bring them all ambiance. That was and one of our employees was like, hey, wouldn't it be cool if we could like, bring some joy into these homes? Like, What if we got people at home playing games or like laughing or being together as a family? Because it was really hard, right? You remember that we're all sort of like quarantined at home and it was like, oh, this is awkward and we have cabin fever. But like the reciprocal of that is like, this is amazing. We have time together as families. And in the old days, I would have done anything to have more time with my kids or slow down how fast they were growing up. And suddenly we're all forced together and we're complaining about it. And so what if we just got all these families playing games? So we put bingo cards in the dinners that we were delivering. And we said, what do we just, we'll just play bingo with the whole city. Like, what do we get the whole city to play bingo? This'd be so fun. But that became so fun. And you have this suddenly thousands of people are laughing or like listening to music or just coming together in a way that maybe we've forgotten how to do as families. And so we played bingo for like Friday after Friday after Friday. And- in the midst of it, we started doing CSA boxes, like community-supported agriculture, because a lot of farms were just hurting so badly. All the restaurants are closed. All the farms don't have a place to put their food. And so it was, we'll send us your food, and we'll put it in boxes with the people. So we were doing CSA boxes for a while, and then that turned into cocktail kits, because drinking, obviously, was very fashionable. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then we had this idea, this crazy idea, like okay, what if we just opened a movie theater? (laughs) That'd be really cool because like the best thing in a pandemic when you're not supposed to be with other people would be a drive-in movie theater. Literally, you arrive in your car, you stay in your car, you leave in your car. It's like, it was like made for pandemics. So we built a movie theater in a parking lot, a drive-in movie theater, which was super fun. And then by then it was summertime and we thought, what if we just make a restaurant in the parking lot? And so we built this thing called the Crab Shack that's just sort of like completely divey. We took an old shipwreck boat and brought in like seven tons of sand and we just served a zillion crap outside and get messy. Like this is what this is for. And then, I don't know, but up here like forest fires a big deal and it was a horrible season for it and all the smoke arrived, so we couldn't do that.
0: (laughs) So we had to go back inside, so. You did a ton of different things. What's the biggest lesson you've learned from all of it?
1: I think that the biggest lesson that we've learned is that you don't need a fine dining restaurant to live out your mission. And our mission was, how do we inspire people to turn toward one another? And in the old days, like the first 69 and a half years of this company, we did that through fine dining. And then the last 12 ideas, whether it was the community college or the yurt village or the crab shack, it just became the idea that, no, you don't need what you think you need to stay on your mission. And I think that, I think that just goes, that just applies to so many things. I don't think that's a lesson just for a, a restaurant. I think it's a lesson for a lot of life. It's been so life giving to us to continue to.
0: It's given more purpose, it sounds like. And I I love, I mean, I share lots of stories uh, speaking about some events where, you know, there were tragic moments in our community, but everyone came together, including the family, and we all felt like one family. And I think there's so much debate about family versus team versus family. I lean towards the family. I know you can't fire family, you can't, but, you know, there's a different feeling you have with family. And I, I think you've been fostering that tremendously. And, Mark, I know we could go on so many hedges, but I do want to go into a couple games because that's what we do a little bit on business done differently. So I'm going to play a game I've never played before. It's called Freaky Friday, just because I'm blown away by your creativity of you and your team. So you become me, and I become you. And so we're both creative. I'm going to try to become a restaurant owner and think of like a no idea. And then you're actually potentially running a concessions or a ballpark owner. You're running concessions. And I just want to maybe spitfire some ideas that we would have. So if yeah, you want to throw one, then I'll throw one. We'll go back and forth.
1: Yeah. You want me doing concessions, right?
0: However you want to look at that. There's a ballpark and food needs to be served.
1: All right. There's a ballpark and food needs to be served. Can we just do bring your own? Can we just have a bunch of grills? Is that okay? That's not too dangerous, right? I just want, like, you guys have a parking lot? I just want like, I don't know, a hundred foot long grill and you just kind of roll up and you just throw it on. Maybe you've got people there helping, you know, like, hey, you need help with those burgers? No, man, I got this. Oh yeah, like, <laughs> how do you do a hot dog? No, like, what do you got? Oh, ribeye, prime rib, sure. Like, I, maybe we just have this like this communal grill.
0: I love it. I love it. All right, it's so, in the
1: kitchen, you know, in your home. Everyone hangs out in the kitchen anyway. So, what if we just let people
0: cook? I love it. I, I, I like to it's the whatever's normal. Do the exact opposite. So every ticket in our game is all inclusive, which no one's doing that. But you said, hey, no, just bring your own food. Actually, we encourage people to bring their own food because it, it saves us because every ticket's all you can eat, so it's a win win. I love that. All right. I'll throw one now. I don't know if you've done this, but I love it. Fan contests. So at your restaurant, choose a new food item of the year or a new drink of the year. So we've had our fans vote for potential. That's where the slippery banana, the banana blackout, some of these crazy yeah. drink concepts. So a fan contest. I'll throw one else at you. The world's largest or world's most unique. You guys already are known worldwide, but could you do the world's largest something or the world's most unique? Like, We serve garbage can nachos, which is three orders of nachos on a garbage can lid with two hot dogs, two burgers, two chicken sandwiches, all cut up, nacho cheese, and some bananas. It's 3,500 calories and feeds a family of whatever.
1: Well, yeah, a family of two in my world, because I think (laughs) I I could polish that up. Okay, so I have an idea then. So I got one for you, right? Uh What about like a nacho fountain? So I'm just thinking, I'm thinking of the world's largest, because I think you probably, you have a stadium, I just have a restaurant, but you could probably rock, you know, like a chocolate fondue fountain. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, 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 What if you just did like a nacho fountain? And you could have like a, a chip and coop, you know, kind of like a chicken coop. Just with the cheese coming down like chocolate? Yeah, yeah just cascade like Willy Wonka <laughs> style, the cheese, you know, waterfall. And you just come up with your chips and you just dip it. You just stick it in there and you just munch on
0: it. I love it. We've talked about the idea of having a kitchen sink. So actually going to Lowe's, Home Depot, Ace, getting kitchen sinks and serving every single food item in the kitchen sink. Have sink? Yeah, have all the hot items in one side and have all the cold items and say, you get everything and the chicken, and the kitchen sink.
1: Yeah. You could take sink home. I'm just wondering if that's like...
0: I think it's like maybe 50 bucks or 100 bucks and then 200 if you want the sink.
1: <laughs> you can do a rip and nachos in a kitchen sink. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Because what's, ama- what's amazing about a sink is you can just fill the sink with nachos, put all the fixings in there and you put the whole sink and nachos in a big oven. It's going to be hard to hold the sink, but you could actually cook the nachos in the sink is what I'm suggesting.
0: Yes. I like all of that. I like all of that. All right. I'll throw one more for you. And you guys probably already do this because it's what, when people come to Canlis or in the past, it was all about a celebration, but I just love the idea of a whole celebration concept. You know, you only book when you book, it has to be some type of celebration. You have to let them know exactly what you're celebrating. And then you provide a performance. You have special gifts, giveaways. Each celebration is over-the-top performance and you know exactly why they're celebrating there's probably restaurants it's like, like
1: your celebration is the ticket in
0: yes like what yeah. is your celebration so you know what they're celebrating and it's a different performance celebrate event so it's like this is where you go to celebrate in seattle you know they already is canless but maybe it's even a bigger concept i thought about that for you guys
1: what do we flip that on its head and what do we just say like look the most common random tuesday night is a celebration I mean, ah. what, what do we juxtapose them? We get like the great, like 50th anniversary, like blowout monster, And then the other one is just like, I'm just celebrating the fact that I'm married to my wife and it's a random, <laughs> it's a random Tuesday night. I don't know. The idea love- is that we learn to celebrate one another better. That could be cool.
0: I like it. All right. So good. All right. Listeners, when you have people, it's a, it's a yes and. Like we were literally just doing yes and and we didn't talk about it. It ended oh. up being more of our stuff, but it went both ways. And I just, I love that. So. I want to do one more game, and we'll finish up uh, after this. Truth and Dare. Which one okay. would you like first? I am a big fan of truth. Been searching for truth my whole life. Let's start there. <laughs> we'll do that. We're going to finish with a dare. Notes. All right. Truth. Uh, What's holding you back today from success, a greater fear. success? Fear. <laughs> fear is what holds
1: us back. Let's see. You want a more uh, better answer? Uh, what is you holding personally? Let's get vulnerable. From success. Oh, uh, let's see. If you want me to get vulnerable, uh, definitely my pride. I think as a leader, what's holding me back is probably where I fall down as a leader. And where I fail there, typically, like historically speaking, has to do with pride. It has to do with not wanting to be seen as someone who who is not perfect, who makes mistakes, and who's willing to own all that just right up and move on. And I think, I think that can take my whole team down. And it's not only is it uninspiring, but it's just like no one wants to be around that person. And I can be that person. And so, and I'm, and I'm at the top, right? So it, it's like poisoning the company from the top down. And, and that's on me. So I, it, pride is something I just constantly wrestling with. It's hard to say to your team, hey, guys, I screwed this one up. I think that holds the whole team back. I think it sets a culture that it's just cancerous.
0: What's so good though, going full circle, is what you guys were able to do over the last year during the pandemic, and have so many things that you either you start, stop, start again, or it wasn't successful as you hoped. I mean, it showed that the willingness to get over that, in the scheme of things, it's just a small. So I think it's a small. I don't even call it a failure. It's just an abat, and I think that probably shows. I'm not trying to get into therapy mode, but I just love that you do that because no, we're not so team, you're right. But, yeah,
1: I think our failures are a really key part of our story. Like I do. And that's why I say, like, say from business, I didn't seven of them lost money, but I wouldn't call them failures. We were standing on the shoulders of those failures. In our own personal lives, we're also standing on the shoulders. Those failures make us, they define us, they shape us if we allow them to do so. I think that's where character comes from. So anyway, what's the dare?
0: So, so we'll get to that. Like, we'll go to the dare. But I love when you're talking about like some of them lost money. Like I heard some of the, the parties that you guys have done with donkeys and wigs and everything craziness. like they don't <laughs> all make money, but they're part no. of, they're part of the cool. story.
1: Oh my goodness, they're part of the story. They're part of the gift. They're part of the process. Again, if all you're ever doing is making money, then you just have to admit that. There are very few companies that say, I really don't care about you because all I care about is making money. You feel that way when maybe when you're experiencing that company, but it's rare that they have the guts to say it out loud because they know it would be breaking the relationship. Anyway, we love you, it. You could talk about that all day long.
0: I love it. All right. We'll go with the dare here. You called the dare. This is actually something that Because of a mistake, it actually got better at our ballpark. So this is a promotion. It's called the sing-off. And it was always two men, like grown men. They would be on the field. We'd have a mic in front of them. And we'd say, when the song stops, you have to finish that song lyric, whoever gets it first. And it was a love song. It was funny. But one night, the contestants didn't show up. The third out happened. And I said, what are we going to do? Our director, our host said, well, let's just do it with the fans. And we had 2,000 fans in in the main grandstand versus 2,000 fans in the the metal bleachers in the other grandstand. We had them sing off against each other. And it was epic. 4,000 people singing. It was a much better promotion, but failure that went wrong. But now, my friend, full circle, I'm coming back to you. So we're going to play a song. When that song finishes, you have to finish that song lyric. That's the dare. Are you ready? Even if I don't know it, can I just make it up? I've had people make it up, but if you don't know this, I think you, uh, I'd be very this shocked. Is Midler. I hope this is wind beneath your wings or something. Okay, <laughs> lay it on me. Here that's we exactly go. That's exactly what I was going with. Touch yeah. scan. <laughs> there we go.
1: <laughs> so I'm really hoping stuff. So. Oh, I know the song. So uh, You got to hold on to what you got. It's that song. Uh, ready or not. got each other. And that's. Is that the one? Yes. It's only like half a second. That was intense. I wasn't ready for it.
0: Well, yeah. Well, actually, what happened is, again, talk about failures the YouTube that was linked up, it decided to go to an ad. So it was supposed to say, we've got each uh, oh, other, wow. but that song, oh. Uh, uh-huh. We're giving uh, it a shot. Whoa. Halfway. Halfway. There. halfway there. Whoa. Yeah,
1: that, I'm really impressed I actually got the song from the 16th of a second. Yeah, we were we about to get a, an
0: ad on Texas right now. So that was yeah. uh, that was good. It was That's Living right. on a Prayer. And, living and, on yes. a
1: Prayer. Yes. yes. that Bon Jovi?
0: Yes, ah. 100%. Okay. And, I'm very impressed, and you can see an utter failure of uh, the music and my situation right there. But you actually uh, hit yeah. it. So I'm giving you full credit.
1: Wow. I mean, hit it is—that's really generous. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I thought "Living on a Prayer." We got our shot, and like actually, the lyrics actually fit into what you guys have been doing over the last year. Why I admire you, respect you, and love what Phyllis has been done
1: can be compared to that song. I consider myself successful in life. <laughs> we're definitely living on a prayer. That is my new, I think, business philosophy.
0: <laughs> I love it. Mark, I mean, I could go on. We could go on for a while. We'll have to do a post-pandemic to see where you guys are later. But, you know, is there anything, we've talked some great things about family, trust, fun, relationships. Is there anything you want to just leave to the listeners that are trying to build something as special as you've built at Big Camel?
1: i tell you what, I think there is, and you guys show this well, there's a lot of hope and there's a lot of joy out there. And we don't often get a chance to talk about it, to live into it, to embrace it. It's almost as if we're scared to do so. And look, these are hard times, particularly right now. I don't want to like sugarcoat that or, or whitewash over it. This is hard. But also, I think to find the good inside of, of what is hard, we're capable of that. We're capable of so much. And so we find ourselves encouraged even in the midst of these hard times. And we just want to spread that word. And so, Jesse, thanks for what you're doing. It's cool to be with you. It's cool to see what you guys are doing. You're so creative. <laughs> so look, the next time I'm throwing a party, I'm
0: calling you. Yeah, well, and, and I'm coming to Seattle for those parties. I'll tell you that. But Mark, thank you so uh, much. I would love it. Thank you for listening to Business Done Differently, where we believe that challenging the status quo, creating fans first, and changing the game is the best way to grow your business. For more information about the guest and topics covered in this episode, visit findyouryellowtux.com or shoot me a note at jesse at findyouryellowtux.com. Until next time, stop standing still, start standing out.